This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. D20 Radio, your gamer's role. you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am your host, Josh Heath. And for one, if you are a listener and you are not a patron yet, please go check out our Patreon and do all of that sort of thing. Leave reviews and all of that awesome stuff. But now that I've mentioned that, so you're all aware of the things that I talk about all the time. Today, we're talking about something different. We are talking about a new product that is going to be launching or has already launched, depending on when you are listening to this, for Werewolf the Apocalypse that I think folks are interested in that want to know a little bit more about and can decide how excited you want to be because I'm definitely interested in everything I've seen so far. So hopefully we get a little bit of uh, information, some nuggets of lore that will get you excited and have you joining the pack of backers for the Kickstarter for Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation. I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Folks, if you want to take it from here, then I will ask a couple of questions as we get rolling. Sure. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Gary. I'm the co-founder and creative director here at Flyos. Hi, my name is Thomas. I'm the co-founder of Flyos and I'm the executive director. Fantastic. It's nice to meet both of you and to have you here on the show. Tell us a little bit about the game. I already gave a real broad strokes overview, but like what excites you about this that you want people to know right away? What's the, the elevator pitch for the game? Sure. Well, of the Apocalypse Retaliation is inspired on the fifth edition and is an RPG in a box. The goal of uh, Flyos for that game is to create a scenario campaign in the narrative dungeon crawler that is faithful to the experience that we have in a TTRPG. Uh, you can play it solo, one to four players. You're going to have everything that is important as fan of the license. Yeah, I would say that for me, what's important in uh, Retaliation is that the players can definitely customize their character from almost the ground up. So basically, you can pick up any of the 11 tribes available. You can choose your own backstory. There are 10 different backstories. You can choose your auspice, for sure. And based on the auspice you choose, you have different gifts, so different powers. So we calculated with the base game and all the different expansion packs available for uh, Retaliation, there are over 40,000 combinations that you can pick up from. So it's very exciting in terms of customization. You create a character you want to play uh, and you craft your own story, basically. The stories uh, of Retaliation is a, a story of uh, werewolves where everything is lost and you have to launch into that big story of 
trying to uh, impeach apocalypse in that specific region. So yeah, it's something exciting to write a story always. What we did with chapters, we're using the same uh, knowledge, processes, and the dream team that we've assembled to push that next project to the next level. Awesome. Talk to me a little bit about the the themes of Werewolf the Apocalypse. You know, in general, uh, as a podcast, we talk about some of the older editions, and we are, of course, patiently waiting on all the information we can get about uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse 5th edition. The themes for me for Werewolf have always been about uh, pushing back against the anti-environmentalist forces within the world and about spirituality and rage and anger and kind of balancing those things. Talk to me a little bit about how this game as an RPG in a box gets us to connecting with those concepts or what concepts, if I'm not touching on the ones that you think, hey, these are core things that we're trying to pull out into this story. Talk to us a little bit about those things. I would say that we are working on the story at this very moment. We have a team of writers trying to get the fundamentals behind it. Of course, we have a core idea behind it. And you're right on one point. The thematic behind it is that there is a, some sort of ecological uh, stakes behind a, a werewolf condition. And this subject is meaningful, especially today. So what we're trying to achieve here is to create something where players can incarnate powerful creatures, get a lot of storytelling through different combats, through the expression of violence, always thinking that what they do is the right thing to do. We also have to consider that there is a new edition, as you say, and as much as you do, we want to know more about it. So, so far we work with the brand uh, owner and we have a very positive and constructive relationship. And we learned things while they crafted and they revealed different informations recently about the tribes, about the auspices. And of course, whatever we're going to make in retaliation is going to be aligned with this uh, new vision that we share. We are old timers also. Mm -hmm. So we play the railroad like for the past 20 years now almost. And there, there are thematics that are, you know, very important for us. And we will try to treat these uh, subjects while remaining in the new guidelines for the project. It's a werewolf story. It's uh, We've been playing World of Darkness, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, and Werewolf the Apocalypse for years now. So it's important for us to deliver and to initiate to board game players in a bridge game that we are creating, that we've also kept in vision for Vampire the Masquerade chapters, to keep that story to the center of the table. Uh, that story is what's going to give you, if you're new to that license, what it is to play a TTRPG playing Werewolf the Apocalypse. And sometimes it's really hard to find a group of focus or availability to, to play with other friends. And this is how we uh, had the first idea with chapters is we want to play more uh, TTRPG session, but sometimes it's just hard. Someone is uh, sick, someone is busy at work, family, friends whatever good reason we have and we are the same and we wanted to give a way for people that want to jump into that license the way uh, it changed our lives we want to create that experience as well and sometimes it's hard and you need to to know a storyteller you need to know the lore you need to this is going to give you the opportunity to 
play alone if you want and have scenario already pre-written and where your choice and consequences is going to really impact. And that bridge between TTRPG and board game is what we've been creating for years now with chapters. And uh, we're very excited to follow the same pattern, the same recipe, but not for vampire, but for werewolf. And that's what we're aiming at at the moment. And we're very excited about that as well. Yeah, one specific composition of the game is that there are no game master required. So maybe we should explain how the game sure. works, basically. Sure. Uh, it's a narrative dungeon crawler, as, as we said earlier. But the thing is that you have like different map tiles. So they are X-based, and this is where you move on the NPCs, the different enemies and foes, and your characters. Every scenario comes up with a, a scenario booklet. So it's a small book, we can say. And you have all the different branchings in that booklet. So whenever you interact with an NPC, for example, in the first scenario, you have to speak with a character. This character has his own you know, problem to fix, to solve. And while you interact with this character, you have a choice. Either you try to help this character go through the loss he's suffering, spoiler, or you decide to leave him to his grief and try to attack a pack of Fomorins. Basically, the way you interact with the game with this booklet will give you different interaction inside the uh, map tiles. So the enemies will react to your actions in a different way, depending on the choices you make. And we will craft series of scenarios based on this example. And every time, try to give more storytelling to the players, try to give them more challenges in terms of a level design, for sure, because this time we have way less words than Vampire, because, you know, it's less about dialogue and, and social interactions. But we will try to say a lot more with how the, the game itself and how combat gives narrative to the player. So that's the base element. And we have, of course, one big storybook that follows the whole narrative and designs your own story because there are some scenarios that you might play, the others that you will unlock, that will lock forever, or others you have to make a choice to play it or not. So you will craft a story there. Awesome. So as I'm understanding it, it's effectively a chronicle in a box that based on your choices, you have different stories within the chronicle that you're going to be experiencing, which sounds really interesting. Like I heard about the, the one player aspect of it. And uh, some of the folks on my discord were like, one player, why, why would I want to do that? And I was like, actually, that's really smart because I have a lot of friends who play Call of Cthulhu Arkham Horror that they do, you know, solo play in you know tabletop simulator and at home and all those sorts of things and it gives you an opportunity to do exactly what you mentioned before of uh, experiencing a story in the world that you love when you don't have the opportunity to get you know friends around and you, you get that opportunity to still experience it to still have some time uh, playing that so I'm just reinforcing that as a really beneficial opportunity for any board game to have uh, a solo play option. I think particularly it fits really well for the world of darkness. So I've just said nice things about the concept uh, <laughs> rather than ask a question there. But I guess tell me a little bit more about the materials themselves. I'm really excited about the miniatures. We don't have wonderful werewolf miniatures out there on the market, particularly that fit 
apocalypse. Can you tell us a little bit about those physical materials? Sure. It's a great question that you bring because we receive this comment a lot. Like mm-hmm. There's a lot of players that are trying to have their minis uh, and, and beautiful minis for their TTRPG sessions or even their war game session, whatever. And that was one of the points. So we work with different artists across the world. Francesco Uru, who is one of, of the greatest sculptor uh, for uh, board games, is working with us. But we also are working with our own Baptiste. Baptiste is our guy. He is our 3D artist. He sculpts wonderful things. He is so talented that, I mean, we always... Behind his back at his desk when he's called things, we're like, oh my God, how can you do such things? So it's like magic happening in real time. But to answer your question, we have in the base game 12 minis, 12 base miniatures, four Krinos form, four Lupus form, and four Homid forms. And when you create your character, you can pick each form you prefer. So if you prefer the female character that looks a little like, you know, a wolfy, you can take this character, take the jumping wolf and the Krinos with his hands like, you know, spread like this. You create your own combination. But we knew that we want to keep the game as affordable as possible. So this is why the base game has a reduced amount of uh, minis. But for all the people who will back the game on Kickstarter, we already have our list of stretch goals and there are plenty of free, I mean, free. We will have to pay for it (laughs) to the backers, especially like minions. So former Reese, Baines, uh, and even the backers who will who back the game day one will get like this 150 millimeter defiler, which is the main enemy of the of the campaign, as a, a sculpt. We also have four expansion pack that has three tribes per pack, and if you make the math, we makes 12. So there are 11 playable tribes in a retaliation. But we created an outcast. Yes, we did. Who has no tribe at all. He is a lone wolf, a solitary uh, wolf. And you can add this character to your set of minis. So it adds, I'm very bad at math, but... 26 more miniatures plus the 12. So you can, uh, if you buy all the expansion, because you want to have all the the very specific miniatures related to uh, specific tribes, you can. And that's going to give you a total of 50 miniatures to pick from and to create your own character. Correct. You're going to be able to pick your tribe, you're going to be able to pick your auspice and your background. Uh, but even in the auspice, which really uh, define the kind of gameplay you're going to have, you have different talent tree to pick from. Imagine you're the Ragabash. Are you going to be the, the one that is more related to being a scout? Or uh, maybe you have a more uh, physical approach and you can uh, ambush people from the back. Depending on the gift that you make and take, that's going to define your gameplay. So each auspice has different talent trees. Tribe is going to give you more flavor, your miniature as well, and your background. To make Just to make sure that you have, really have the character that you want to play in that story. In terms of uh, 3D assets, we also have health trackers in the game. So these are small lunar pieces that track the damage on the uh, different NPCs that you will encounter. We have a set of black dice and rage dice, Mm -hmm. meaning that rage dice has more successes, but has also a worm symbol. So in retaliation, the more you use your rage, the more chances you have to fall into a spiral of, I'd say frenzy, but yeah, frenzy. 
and it leads you closer to uh, the bad sides of the worm, basically. The other scopes that we have... Well, we have different type of enemies as well. Yeah. Uh, we have the swarm. The swarm are uh, basically minions and, and small enemies that you can dispatch uh, based on the number of damage that you do. But because you're a, a nine foot tall, mean claw machine, you're going to dispatch them wave by wave, meaning that if you're good enough, you can maybe dispatch three of them in one strike. Uh, you also have uh, specific enemies that are much more stronger, that have specific flavor and special. So each specific enemy has their own way of attacking you. So you ha also have the, the leader and the bosses, which is going to have some cues and glorious attack to uh, unlock in order to weaken them. And you're going to have to work as a pack strategy. And the pack strategy are also part of the gameplay that is on, in layers on the combat of a retaliation. That's going to give you the opportunity to feel as a pack of werewolf attacking together and coordinated the same enemy. Yeah, and you're 100% right. And to you were speaking about the solo version. We wanted to keep the co-op aspect of it, the pack approach of werewolf intact and, and still unique. So when you play as a solo player, you will probably use different allies. So we try to simplify the use mm -hmm. the usage of allies in the game. So they have no more uh, combat decks or so whatsoever. They have like all their stats on their card. You can use the token in that you can move it on a board. So you can still uh, try combination with uh, strategy packs even when you play solo. So you control the different allies in your movement on the board. Cool. That was going to be my follow-up question. So that's really, I'm glad you got there because I think the pack element, right, is so important to werewolf society and, and being able to ensure that even if you don't have a pack around the table, you still have a pack in play, I think mm -hmm. fits those thematic elements well. That's a lot of meanings. I just want to say that. That's what sounds awesome. And it's one part of the narrative as well. So mm -hmm. it is a, a portion of the uh, gameplay aspect. So you control different allies to still act as a pack, even if you play solo. But one thing that is different from Vampire is that you will somehow find these allies across the campaign. And you can, I would say, recruit them. So sometimes you will have to complete missions Sometimes you need to do a favor. Sometimes, you know, there's a different aspects or sometimes you need to, to win a combat against them or whatever to get them with you. So you may or may not get some allies and each one has its own flavor. Each one has its own powers. So there are some sort of rewards that you gain all across the campaign. And it's something interesting to gather these heroes of the Garo Nation. Well, we can say Garo Nation, but yeah. Garo Nation, we can say. Yeah, it, it's important to keep um, the, the, the side quest side of things in a narrative dungeon crawler, where mm -hmm. uh, if you spend more time trying to un uncover all the different aspects and uh, sub-quests that are included in each specific scenario, you're going to reap more re reward, more trophies, more currency, more knowledge, more allies, uh, more uh, experience points, fetishes, all the things that makes someone that go over and just make the whole dungeon and the whole exploration to its maximum is going to give you just more. And that's also something that we wanted to implement in, uh, in retaliation. Tell me about fetishes then, because you mentioned those. Will they be cards or something like that that you might uh, acquire? Yeah, items. 
There are going to be items that you can unlock. You also can unlock some uh, guiding spirit, patron spirit, that uh, can give you some sort of protection, specific moment on uh, on the game. That is also something that we want to implement. The spirit aspect of uh, Werewolf is unique in a way, and this is why we talked about um, and we created the Enigma table. The Enigma table is uh, based on the uh, investigation system that we created in chapters, but is uh, obviously uh, adapted to uh, the World of the Apocalypse uh, narrative, where you're going to encounter some um, some spirits, but they, they're hard to understand. They're spirits. They, they don't speak and think the same way that we do. And sometimes you're going to ask a question, and depending on how you're able to give the good question, you might receive different answers. And the, the best answers and cues that you're going to get is going to give you more knowledge to what the situation is. I'm going to give you a, a concrete example. Imagine you're talking to a spirit that recently went to the Umbra close to your set or your current, and uh, you are asking if everything is all right there. And the first cue that you receive in the Enigma table is danger. Okay, that's the only cue you have. You didn't get enough cues to understand what's really going on. But imagine you had more success and you have danger, worm. Okay, now you know it's coming from the worm. But imagine you had three successes, and now it's danger, worm, current. Oh, okay. There is danger. There's a part of the worm that is inside the cairn at the moment. What's going on? And from the first to the second, to the, the there is an incremental information that gives you more elements to understand what's really going on. And the spirit can help you like this, but it can also trick you. So this is also a part that we wanted to include in the gameplay of Retaliation as well. I really like that. Anyone that has listened to the show knows that uh, the spiritual elements of Werewolf the Apocalypse are kind of what keep dragging me back and getting me excited about the game. And knowing that gets reflected in, in this type of play, one, I'll say it, it is important for people that are worried about W5 to some degree. I think it makes the board game a little bit different than kind of traditional, uh, or I don't even want to say traditional, like board games that are out there in the world. Like, elements of, of spirituality are often not uh, a feature in, in board gameplay, like, uh, except tangentially, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple that maybe like touch on them, but I think that's good to hear. I want to ask a question and it's a little bit of a hard one because uh, one of the folks on my discord had mentioned it and there might be people out there that are concerned about chapters not being in their hand yet and seeing another project out on the street. Can you talk a little bit about that? And what would what could I say to that person to kind of uh, encourage them to back the project? It's a very good question, actually. And the short answer would be, wait for Vampire before you purchase Retaliation. That would be the short answer, definitely. As a backer of Vampire, personally myself, maybe I would wait. The thing is that what we don't know as a backer or someone who is not involved in our day-to-day -day is that uh, creating such game is heavy. It takes a lot of work. We've been working on retaliation for over a year now, and we still have one more year to go at least. Well, maybe, maybe nine months because now we're more organized. We have the resource internally. We know all the different artists we want to work with. But you know what? Let's say we will be able to package the game within a year. Four chapters, it took us four years total to came up from the first idea, then to produce the game, create a team, work with you know every sort of people and the manufacturing, and 
Meanwhile, we had this little thing called a worldwide pandemic. So for sure, you know, we learned a lot of things and our team is dedicated to make the great, the greatest game they can. And they've finished, everyone here at the, uh, the office has concluded their portion on Vampire. Now it's in the hands of the manufacturer. This step will require like a few weeks from now to be fully completed, but it needs to be sent to the freight boats, then to the fulfillment centers, and then players to receive their games. If we decided to play it straight and wait for the game to arrive, we would have to shut down the company. That's, sim that's simple. Yeah, for four or five months waiting for things to be delivered to nothing. But we understand. If we had the amount of money that video games companies may have, that would be legitimate. I understand that. But we have one choice. Either we survive and keep creating something and ask backers who trust the work we've done to continue backing our projects. And there are already reviews out there of, you know, the Quackalope team. There are Man versus Meeple. There are a video coming from Adam Smith from uh, Rolling Solo who uh, will talk about the game. So the game is concrete. The game is being produced. So there is, you know... In my mind, no, uh, no danger for the game not to be released it's because we already paid the manufacturer too. So it's just a matter of the game is arriving. I'd like to add one more idea to everything Gary said because it's true. It, there is also one thing that uh, I'd like to add on, on that part. All the money that we've gathered and crowdfunded for chapters has been used for chapters, meaning that uh, we don't have any money left to wait passionately for this. We are still a small studio, passionate people working on this, and we have really a project that we need to kick start, meaning that uh, the moment we receive the fund, we have the money and the resources to put some time and energy on this. If we wait four months to have it delivered, we don't. We're not there yet. We're not there to the point where we can launch something directly in retail either. So, and the community really helped us when we needed it. And we understand that some people are not comfortable with that level of risk in general in the crowdfunding, but also to the people that are waiting for chapters to be released. And if that's the case, that's fine. There is going to be a pledge manager uh, in a few months. We wanted to, to give for the uh, extra risk an extra reward as well for the people that are jumping and helping us at that moment that we need some support. Uh, and that's why we're giving uh, an expansion across from chapters to retaliation if you back on uh, Kickstarter. Because if you are following us when we need you, then more risk, more reward, that seems appropriate. I think that's a great answer. As a person who's been working on a, a licensed IP board game for about four years now, I have some sympathy. And I got lucky that I did not launch my project when I was planning to, which would have been the summer of 2020. And oh I said, you know, I thankfully missed a, a bullet, dodged a bullet there. So I have some empathy for the situations that you're describing and particularly with freight and all of the issues in shipping, particularly because we'll have another five to 10 years of shipping disruption based on the pandemic and based on the Suez Canal problems and just the way the world is uh, currently. So for folks that are concerned, I think that was a really great answer and I appreciate where you're coming from. And I think providing backers the opportunity to invest in something like this in a way that gives them a lot, you know, in a way that you can support this product and say, hey, 
when I get it, I am getting a, a game that's going to give me a lot of time and energy to play, as well as the opportunity to have artifacts that I can use in a game, like having fetish cards or you know items that you collect and things like that, that I can use at a tabletop game. Always looking for ways to scrounge from other things to help tell my werewolf stories. So I think... There's a lot of opportunity in, in what you're telling me, at least so far, what I've seen so far from retaliation to get me excited and I think to get other people excited. Thank awesome. you, that's very kind. And it's also something that we've done for Vampire mm. and we're doing the same for Retaliation. We want players to use the material they purchased on the uh, board game and be able to use it on their TTRPGs. There are definitely things that you can use, such as the you know the map tiles. These represent different sort of areas like a desert or a city or you know forest, whatever. So you can create your own combination, use the minis, even use the dice to play your own TTRPG. So whenever you completed the story a few times, because the replayability of retaliation is also central to the mm-hmm. uh, the core conception. We want players to play through the campaign the way they want. And every time they finish the campaign, they say, okay, my God, I played 25 scenarios, but there are still 10 scenarios missing. What happens in these scenarios? So you have to go back, create a new character and choose a path that is different. So replayability is central. And once they've experienced the game, they can use this material to play their own TTRPGs and create their own stories. And something that we are still thinking about Mm -hmm. for vampires, so probably for retaliation too, would be a tool for players to create their own stories within the board game itself. So you can create, generate, like a good storyteller can create his own setup, use the cards and tell his own story with the game components. And that would be amazing, but it's still a work in progress. We want to focus on the base game first, the expansions, and deliver the greatest project that we can. Yeah, there is also a a way of showing what kind of scenario you might be able to encounter when you're playing a TTPG, because there is a lot of friends that I'm playing D&D with that never had the, the opportunity to, to play Vampire and then uh, Werewolf, and they don't know how to play it. And when you're starting alone on this, it, it's kind of hard to just jump into it. If you play Retaliation or if you play Chapters, each specific scenarios are also going to be that kind of scenario you might have played as a TTRPG uh, player. But as a board game player, never had such an opportunity. And now you understand what uh, is a first change for Werewolf. You understand what is a right of initiation. You understand what is to jump into a battle that is lost and you know it, but you go anyway. That kind of feeling of scenarios is something that's going to explain to new players and to confirm players what kind of scenarios Gary and I would played on TTRPG for so many years. And uh, we're excited to share that as well. Awesome. So I have the hardest question I'm going to ask you today. Which tribe are either of you, would you choose to be in if you could choose to be in a werewolf tribe? Easy. That's that's the hardest part. Easy. We've been playing for years. Come on. Give us something stronger than this. I'll go for um, Bonars or Shadowwolf. Yeah. That's really... that. So you just gave me two. I said one. See, this is why I said it was a hard oh, question. <laughs> then I would go for Shadowlord. Okay. Silence Strider. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Interesting. What, what, is, what is yours, actually? I'm a Shadow Lord. I 
like to say that I'm the type of person that encourages people with long-term, you know, aspirations and goals in mind. Building people up with an ulterior motive is a good thing, I think, as long as you have uh, some sort of positive self-interest involved. It's really a Shadow Lord answer. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to ask you why you picked Shadow Lords, but considering your response to my answer, I I feel like we're uh, in a similar headspace, at least. It will look the same as well. So please explain (laughs) us why Shadow Lord now. (laughs) I really love the custom ability. It's 40,000 different permutations of character and auspice and tribe. I think I said character, which isn't really like a choice, but like that's a lot, right? That is a a lot of opportunity for you to create the shadow lord of your dreams, right? Or to find the the silent strider that you're like, this is as close as I can get to having my specific character um, in the game. How do the expansions add on to that? Like, what sort of things are you thinking for that uh, to add some opportunities for, like, specifically embodying your character concept at the table? That's a very good question. The extra scenario you're going to have when you're buying the pack of three tribes, you're having nine additional uh, miniatures, very specific one designed for uh, the specific tribe, but you also have a specific scenario that being a part of that tribe is going to help you go in one way or another. Uh, it's going to help you, give you, uh, get more information on what is really happening behind the curtain and who is in, is moving the pieces on the chessboard. And the fact that you're a bone or, or a silver fang is definitely, is definitely going to make a big difference in how you're going to resolve that specific scenario. This is also what we want to bring to the table. More gameplay, more customization. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But it's a, I would complete this uh, presentation, but it's a four position only, I would say. So it means that we will propose nine miniatures, so three tribes per expansion, and we will suggest it like, for example, the Shadow Lord. We had a vision when we created a brief for the artists to come up with the illustration of, you know, the, the Lupus, the Homid, and the Krinos for each tribe to come up with one design, one illustration one set of illustration. But if you, as a bone mower, like the illustration made for the Shadow Lord, you can definitely pick this one. So you're not forced to play this Shadow Lord. You can create this combination, which makes the 40,000 plus specific combinations. So now everyone that's playing a Silver Fang can just play a Shadow Lord like they should be anyway. <laughs> I think that sounds great. Like that sounds like a a lot of opportunity for uh, you know storytelling built into everything. You know what the real challenge was? We did not expect that when we were creating the uh, the assets, the artworks. The real challenge are the lupus form actually, mm. because home humans, we as humans can differentiate like many many different aspects of a human, like the skin color, the size, the height, the, the genre, or whatever. The gender, sorry. So it's pretty easy to create variations. Krinos also, because they are attacking, because they have like human traits as well and different like uh, fetishes or whatever, they can be treated differently. But wolves, I mean, create like 12 different sort of wolves plus the four that comes in the base game was very, very challenging because in the end, we had to get inspired by Asian sort of wolves. Uh, North African sort of wolves. I mean, you know, different of wolf races. 
all across the the globe. So get this inspiration was challenging because we had to make like great research, make sure you know that we nailed uh, everything right. But the challenge was was really fun. That's awesome. And I think that's the thing that people don't think about so much is that uh, different wolf species and subspecies do have different coat color, not just coat colors, but also like hair length and things like that. And having some of that expressed allows you again, to get to that customization level, which is helpful for embodying the, the lupus version of your character. With the stories that are being crafted, this is a question you may not have a great answer for, but are there opportunities for us to see NPCs, I, I think they're called uh, SPCs, storyteller player characters from uh, the deep lore of Werewolf the Apocalypse potentially present in the different scenarios that we would be playing through? No. I would say the short answer is no for many, many reasons. The first uh, answer I would give you is that we call it NPCs for user-friendly references. So players are more used to NPCs, so we use determinacy, but SPC works as well. We are not connecting to any lore because while we speak, the team at Paradox is working on the W5. There are many things that are remaining, many things that will change. And we're not even aware of what is going to change deeply. So our goal is to create, to focus on the story first. And we try to be as respectful as we can to the lore in general by nailing how an hospice works, how the tribes behave and stuff like that, but not trying to reconnect to ancient stories. We respect it a lot because we used to play them. But the goal is not to make like pure fan service. It's also to create a new experience for the players, focusing on the story happening in the Yosemite Valley. There is also the natural uh, transcription and transmission from one media to another. What works on a TTRPG cannot be completely transferred for, to a video game. And same thing for the board game as well. It's a narrative dungeon crawler because we want to create a narrative dungeon crawler. And uh, the fact that it's based on the fifth edition is perfect for us as well. So you, we're going to be able to use it and transcri transcribe it in that game the way we see fit. I think that is a fantastic answer because not everything has to live in uh, the same world as it were, right? You know, every person's table, you're going to be crafting your own particular storyline, right? And having a contained werewolf the apocalypse story that doesn't necessarily require you to know anything about baba yaga and rage across russia or the former com uh, conflict in the amazon or so forth and so on and it provides an opportunity that we're not stumbling into any issues that w5 decides you know what we don't want to retread those that same ground so i think that's a great answer i i, I think some folks might be like oh but i want to have you know king albrecht or someone in my story and my response to that with anything like this is if you want to see the essence of another character within the story that you are seeing here it sounds like there's opportunity space for that even though you're not necessarily designing it that way i just know that that would be my answer to folks is that you can always build in some of those layers into the greater story that you are seeing and our our goal is not to replace the ttrpg the TTRPG exists because it has no boundaries, it has no limits. So you can play whatever story, whatever story you want to play. So our game proposed one story with many, many branching different approaches. So just trying to place characters here and there would have like a long listing of 
this needs and this and this and this needs to be done. So why not create a great story inside this this sandbox, I would say, and then use this material to play your own. And I I think that's a fantastic way of taking things. You know, again, you're right. A board game is never going to be the same experience as a tabletop role-playing game. A video game is never the same experience, even if you are in the same universe, as it were. So I appreciate both of you taking some time out uh, and coming and talking to us about this game. For folks that are interested, it is either going to be on Kickstarter or is on Kickstarter. I think I'm going to launch this when it's already on Kickstarter. So go check it out, back it, watch the awesome trailer video because that just got me excited about Werewolf all over again. And when you get the game, come back and tell me your experiences at the table because I know you folks as a crew will probably be excited to hear about the stories that people are are experiencing and I just as a a curious storyteller look forward to playing and experiencing the stories that you craft so um, any last moment things before I uh, let you get on with the many important things I'm sure you have in your day Um, yeah it's going to be a very savage game one thing that we didn't talk about are the glorious attack. Um, it's important to uh, transcribe how violent werewolves are. And uh, during the combat, you will be able to execute your enemy in a very graphic manner, and it's going to be in the storybook. So it is also something that we want to, 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 to give us an impression. It's going to be a one-of-a-kind adventure, and it's going to be savage. It's going to be really savage. That's it. No, nothing else to add to this. I mean, I think we talked about a lot of things in the game. We're very excited to launch to launch it and to be part of this new collaboration with the guys at Paradox. I mean, it's they trust you know, our vision and this is why we're doing a second game with them. So we're proud of it. We have like a wonderful team. It's, it's just great. So we enjoy the moment for now. And, and we also have a, a, an incredible uh, community uh, that uh, from the beginning have been very, very supportive. And we also want to extend that hand to the people listening to that podcast is you have a place in that community and, and a word to say. And you're, if you back the game, you're going to have the ability to help us improve it, meaning that you have uh, an active role in making that game as awesome as possible. And that's also what you get when uh, you help us creating and supporting that project. Many aspects of chapters had updates and I mean, great updates, great addition to the game because of some backers gave us their impression like, oh, it would be good to have this and this. Like, let's, do let's do it. That's a great idea. Let's do it. While people in retail still support the games, but in a different way. It's pretty rare to, you know, contact us through an email and try to give them, you know, because we are in a close relationship with our backers. We try to answer every message within 24 hours. So this creates a sense of, you know, uh, of, of sharing and that that's great. Yeah, we're, we're blessed. Awesome. Gary, Thomas, thank you so much for talking to me. I think that I encourage our listeners to consider the question of when will you rage? And yeah. I will talk to you all again <laughs> next time. <laughs>